I always say this. If you see the three of us walking in Walmart, you are never saying that dude's an addict. Never. We don't look like it. We don't carry that stigma, right? We're not homeless. Right. Yeah. And so, so those are the things that we're trying to break through. You bet. It's the guy testifying in court on your behalf. It's right. the judge. It's these guys like us that are struggling in addiction, but we don't want to talk about it. Before we speak with Brock Bavell of Chase the Vase and Victory Recovery, we'd like to thank these supporters of Parents and Addicts in Need, Plan Solutions Incorporated. Personalized solutions for your financial challenges. Investment, tax planning, retirement, and more at plansolutions.com. Trauma Law California, Shannon Hesketh. Personal injury and criminal defense lawyer walking alongside clients through the traumas that land them in the legal system since 2017. TraumaLawCA.com Don't Hide the Scars, a weekly podcast focused on addiction and recovery. Created by the nonprofit Pain, parents and addicts in need, and founded by Flint Anderson. Welcoming to the Don't Hide the Scars uh, podcast, Brock Belleville. Thank you for joining founder of Parents and Addicts in Need, Flynn Anderson, and myself, Jason LaChance. Morning, Brock. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. This is cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, we love the work that you're doing. It's yep. the, you know We like the education flowing all directions. And of course, the amazing work you're doing with Victory Recovery, Chasing the Vase. We'll talk about that stuff a little later, but... Uh, Boy, you got Flint and I fired up the other day. Uh, uh, excellent post you did on your Instagram, which people, it's in the podcast description. Give Brock a follow. Uh, you were talking about harm reduction, which is is a, is a hot topic. It's a hot topic for us. We kind of waffle maybe a little bit at times. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, But you were talking about the harm reduction kits and pointed out the wonderful fact of no Narcan in them. That's just unbelievable to me. It's weird. I, and I'm with you guys, man. I, I kind of vacillate back and forth. I understand the need for these kits. I want to keep people alive as long as possible in hopes that they can get the treatment they need. The problem is there's no push for sobriety. Right. There's no push for abstinence and there's no right. Narcan. So when you think about it, it's like that is, sounds very counterintuitive to me. It is. It is extremely counterintuitive. You know, my my big thing is, you know, look, harm reduction. Yeah, I waffle back and forth. But the the reality is if it's if it's a 60 year old, right, 60 year old street guy or even not a 60 year old street guy, just just a normal guy that's addicted to, to opiates for some reason. And um, uh, and that person needs to be on methadone or needs to be on Zaboxin at that age. I don't have too much of a problem with that. But my big thing is why are we trying to straddle 25 year olds to two drugs? Methadone first is that's the, that's Satan's drug. In, in, in my opinion, why are we strat trying to straddle people to, to remain on this stuff for the rest of their life? Cause Brock, you and, and both Jason, no, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You, you, you can't, you can't leave the country, nothing without that methadone or you are totally screwed. You're with, I, I'm with you. My, my concern is even further through is how much money, how much money are we spending on these kids? You think about, I mean, it's it's millions of dollars that the government's paying. And so we're supplying them with these kits. Why aren't we supplying them with with education? Yeah. Why aren't we supplying them with 
recovery. Because I, I Jason, you're you're a recovering addict yourself, I, I'm assuming. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So both of us struggle with opioids. There wasn't one day. Okay. All of us. Geez. Yeah. Um, there wasn't one day that we woke up and we're like, hell yeah, man, we want to be addicts today. This is, this is the life. Right. Like all we wanted to do was be free of it. And it, it had a, it had a, a grip on us. And so if it's that one opportunity to pivot, it's that one opportunity to shift. Like, but if I constantly am given fresh supplies, yep. a paraphernalia, man, my mindset is not recovery. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you were saying there wasn't even any pamphlets, information, resources on sobriety and abstinence included in that safer supply kit. Now, since I posted that, there have been people coming out and saying, hey, in our in our state, there is Narcan, um, but it's not in every state. Um, right. Educational material is not in every state. So maybe that's what we got to do. We got to get some alignment somewhere and we... My question is, why don't the government ever talk to us? <laughs> why don't they talk to recovering addicts, dudes that are doing it? That's been my biggest bitch for, for the last 13 years. You know, there there's nobody in that government that understands addiction. But I want to go back just a second to the to the to the information that should be in those packets. The information I am assuming does not have a treatment center to call other than a county, you know, like, like Fresno County behavioral health, which is going to take you an hour and a half to get somebody to answer. They're not, they're, they're going to try to send you to a county run program of some kind. A lot of those don't even use the correct medications to detox with. I have been trying to push to get the government to get private treatment centers working together on this thing, because we're the ones that know how to detox properly. But, but the other side of that coin is it has to be affordable for people or else we need the government to give us the funding so we can keep people in there because we can't just scholarship everybody. We will close our doors within a 30 day period. If that's all we're doing is scholarshiping people. Yeah. This is a this mess is bigger than anybody even realizes. Isn't that the dichotomy in this? I mean, really, is what it comes down to is is the government run facilities are full. Right. Like you can barely get into them. Right. And then the problem is the aftercare. OK, think about it like this. We get a guy that that overdoses. Narcan is used The police get him to the hospital. He's treated at the hospital. And from that point, what happens? Right. Well, what, what we're doing in Fresno, we do have a, a program called the Bridge Program that we're starting to develop and us with as the treatment center, that when those people get into the hospital and they're discharged, they're they're immediately going to come to us. OK, hold on, though. Back up. That's what I'm saying. You, you, you're filling the gap. But yep. when we're talking about government owned facilities, they're not they're not bridging the gap. No, they're not. They're not putting them anywhere. They're releasing them to the streets. They're yes. overdosing again. Yeah. And the cycle continues. Yes. You are correct. And there has to be something done. And it's not being done at all. Yeah. At at all. You guys are. Right. Yeah. Why? Why can't the government figure it out? Because they're not active. They're not users. They're not re in recovery 
like us that we have some ideas. Hey, this is the next step. What about peer support? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I also think that the government believes that that we are just all a bunch of scumbags that we're just addicts. I think there's, there's still that mentality going on, you know, ah, they're, 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 I, I hear that a lot. They're, they're just addicts. Well, no, that's not who we are. It's what we became for a variety of different reasons, but that's not who we are. Agreed. But they don't see us. They don't. They don't see us. Think about what they're seeing when they're out in the community, when they're taking their wives out for dinner or whatever, they're seeing the 1% of the individuals that are on the streets. Yes. In their mind, that's addiction. That's what addiction is. That's what I got to solve. It's not, it's you and I, I always say this. If you see the three of us walking in Walmart, you are never saying that dude's an addict. Never. We don't look like it. We don't carry that stigma. Right. We're not homeless. Right. And so, so those are the things that we're trying to break through. You bet. It's the guy testifying in court on your behalf. It's the judge. It's these guys like us that are struggling in addiction, but we don't want to talk about it. New Perceptions North, the premier drug and alcohol treatment and recovery center in Central California. A full continuum of medically supervised top quality care with programs for detox, inpatient residential treatment with dual diagnosis, intensive outpatient treatment, sober living, support groups, and more. With 50 plus years of combined experience and sobriety, Flint Anderson and Thelma Gatlin Wilson provide adult men and women with the highest caliber of professional health care, treating each client with compassion and respect in a safe, comfortable environment to begin the process of recovery to proudly create and sustain a life without addiction, call 559-978-1507 or visit newperceptionsnorth.com. But, you know, there's been so much um, in, the, in, in the past of, you know, different, different groups, different organizations that are, that are talking about this, that are showing pictures of kids you know, that come from, you know, decent neighborhoods and, and, and come from, from normal families, you know, so I'm still trying to have a hard time understand why the government isn't seeing this, you know, and, and the big thing, Brock, and this one, I'm just going to blow up on. All right. Is why in the fuck? Okay. Aren't we doing something to China? And why aren't we doing something to Mexico? We're the strongest country in the, in, in the world. All right. If we want to stop something, we can stop it. Right. You're not going to stop everything, of course, but this is a war. It's time to act like it. It's time to do something in in that realm, in my opinion, because what China's doing is they're dropping little bombs on us, little bombs that are going to turn into nuclear into a nuclear weapon at some point. And that's what they are creating. Let's go after these guys somehow, some way. I don't give a shit how we do it. Right. Because they don't care about our citizens. They're killing us off one by one. Yeah, no, you're right. It's it's a it's a death by a thousand cuts, right? You know, and and when we think about it, we know the the problem is. I mean, it's so political. Yeah. It is. It's political. Why won't we call? Why won't we deem it a weapon of mass destruction? Why won't we call cartels terrorists? Because it ups the level. Mm-hmm. It ups right. the level of what we have to do as a country, right? You right. you think about it. Look what we what, look what we do to terrorists. We go after them. They're on our watch list. 
We're not doing that with cartels. No, we're not. We're, we're, we're not after them at all. Do you know, do you, do you know that I, and I, again, I might get the number wrong, but I think I'm, I'm pretty close. I think there's only 15,000 DEA agents in the, in the United States. So, something like to cover the world. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about that, but ridiculously no low number. I, I, I mean, ridiculous because they're, they're, they have so many facets of what they have to do. We don't have enough people to go after the cartels. No, but, but you think about it. Uh, I think the number is 70,000 cars a day get through the border. Yeah. Okay. 70,000 cars a day. So you think about the stops we're making and the seizures that are happening right now. I mean, it used to be 300 pills here, 300 pills there. Now it's a million, it's right. 2 million pills. And so are the DEA or the Border Patrol doing the best they can? Yeah, man, those guys are yeah. inundated. Yeah. But it's right. it's a magic trick. It's a sleight of hand. The cartels are two years more advanced than we are. They have they have tunnel systems that run underneath Arizona, and we're in trouble. Yeah, that, yeah. that's what it comes down to because we don't have the funds. We don't have the manpower to keep up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if people don't think it's a war, what was 2021? One over a hundred thousand, uh, um, overdose deaths yeah. in the U S alone. Yeah. It, it, the is 107,000 were, were noted. The problem is that's what we're noting, right? You have individuals that are overdosing 27 times before exactly. they die. Yeah. And so the numbers are so misconstrued. We're, we're, we're way behind on the numbers. 2020, 20, or 2022 is even going to be way below the numbers that are really happening. And they're going right. to, they're going to beat the hell out of 2021's numbers. Right. And so the problem is, you know, you, you saw that information a couple of weeks ago by Chuck Schumer. He heard about this rainbow fentanyl and all of a sudden he wants to, uh, $290 million to combat rainbow fentanyl. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you break down the numbers, where's that money going? Where's it going? Right. And that's what I, I mean. We chase the money all the time, but we don't do anything proactive to stop, to infiltrate, to educate, to uh, execute. You know, I think about these like when I worked undercover. Okay, when I worked undercover, we worked we worked drugs, and we when we found a target, we went after that target. We shut the target down, right? Because we infiltrated what was going on. And as a, as the U.S., we have so many skill sets mm-hmm. that we could get to China. We could we could get into Mexico. We could shut this down. We could attack it. We could have it shut down in weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. But we're willing. We're we're collateral damage. Right. Yeah. Right. No, you're you're absolutely right on the numbers. You know, it's it's like here's here's something. A couple of years ago, they did a they did a study with uh, high school seniors um, and 20 or excuse me, high school athletes and 25 percent admitted to using a narcotic painkiller for non-medical reasons in the past year. Right. And everybody's going, ooh, 25 percent. I'm going, what about the kids that didn't raise their hand? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. One hundred seven thousand people overdosed. But we're not talking about the people that overdosed and lived and survived. And what are we doing with those folks? You know, that number could have been 400,000 if those people didn't, didn't, you know, survive their overdose. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you were saying earlier, Brock, you know, the process of, okay, great. 
individual has been Narcan. The police have gotten him to the hospital. And, and as Flint, you know, points out frequently and, and educated me, cause I didn't think this, well, they're going into immediate detox. Yeah. So like you said, then they return to the streets. What are they immediately going to want to do? Right. Uh, uh, three addicts sitting here talking. We know that we go into that point. We want to get our fix quick. Cause it's a painful process going, going into immediate withdrawals. You bet. You bet. And, and what we are willing to do to get that pill. Right. To get out of pain. That's what, that's the process of, of detox is crazy. I detoxed without any medication. I I did it. I was dumb. I took all my (laughs) pills out of anger. I dumped the ball because I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm ready. Well, then I'm telling you what the pain was. The pain was astronomical. Right. The mental pain, the mental thought process was brutal outrageous i mean i thought about killing myself um i thought about if i could just escape my bathroom and get one pill right one pill that's all and i would i would have done anything to risk it right and so we we there's there's a there's a mental side of addiction too not even just the physical side that we never talk about never Never, you know, there's a mental side to it. I mean, I can't remember. I mean, I can remember so many times, you know, Brock, in the last two years of my using, I was taking between 70 and 80 Vicodin every day. And, and if there were more, I would have, I would have taken more. Um, because again, we all know it builds a tolerance in us and we're, and we have to keep taking it just to feel what we call normal. Right. And you're, you're absolutely correct. I, I, I remember sitting in in on the floor in one of my son's bedrooms, you know, and curled up in a in the fetal position, you know, can't move. Everything hurts. Your ears hurt. Your nose hurts. Your butt hurts. Your I mean, everything is going just a thousand miles an hour to the point where you almost can't even get up to go get the pill if you found it, right? You know, and, and again, trying to explain withdrawal symptoms to anybody that hasn't been through it is almost impossible to do. But when when I and we've there's so many stories and so many young people I know that 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 were taken into the hospital, they they were they were released within 12 hours. And and again, right back out the door. I know one kid that pulled the IVs out of his arms uh-huh. and ran out in his hospital gown. To get to the dealer one more time. By the way, this this and this was about nah, maybe eight or nine years ago. But but this kid was was a three three athlete star. Okay, at his high school, this wasn't some shithead on you know on a street corner somewhere. I I, I mean this is this is the reality of addiction, and and to even take it a step further, <clears throat> nobody understands how long it takes to actually detox somebody properly and 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 the detox is the easy part Mm. after that man you've got like you said you've got the mental side you've got the psychological side you've got the trigger side you've got all these things that are coming at you like an avalanche and you're going god i don't i don't know what to do so, so 30 day programs as look, we'll take somebody 30 days all day long, but insurance companies now are actually working towards reducing that time. Our average time for a client now is 23 days. We can't do dick in 23 days. Well, think about what you just said. You, and this is where I wish insurance companies and, and 
educators and governmental officials would would sit down with us because you were using 70 80 a day it wasn't fentanyl it, it was wasn't. opioids right okay fentanyl is anywhere from 70 to 100 times stronger depending on where you're at correct okay that's the problem i mean the fear of of detoxing was astronomical I was so scared. I didn't. I mean, there were times where I was low on pills mm-hmm. and you start getting those withdrawal symptoms. And you're like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. I can't go here. But think about today. These kids that are that are on that are hooked and addicted to fentanyl. If it was there when we were using, we're dead. We're dead. Mm-hmm. OK, 70 to 80 a day. These kids, I mean. I don't know what you guys are caught, what you're charging over there, but it's like two dollars and fifty cents in Arizona a pill in some areas. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. You right. you were paying what a dollar a milligram, so you're getting yes. a, a, a yeah. So you understand. Yep. The problem is thirty days to get off fentanyl oh. is outlandish. Right. It, right. I mean, it just can't happen. Right. Because you're not working on just getting the fentanyl out of the system. It takes it takes fifteen days to fill right, 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 and that, yeah. now you're telling me I got fifteen days to to help restructure this young man or young woman. It's impossible. It's and impossible. So it takes time. It takes time to the restructuring of the brain. The brain. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 I can't exactly remember the the term, um, but there is kind of a rebound residual. Um, uh, withdrawal symptom. It can happen to people five, six months down the road. You know, you, you might think you have the flu, uh, but it's, but it's actually more withdrawal symptoms coming. Um, and so that could be another trigger point for someone. The drug, the drug attacks to your receptors. Yep. Right. And a lot of guys, when we take them to the gym, so we, in our program, we want to get you to the gym as quick as we can. We want to get you moving. We want to get your blood flowing. Right. Because that does happen. It's legit. It's coming off. You're detoxing. That stuff's coming off and the pain is there. But now you go work out and you go hit a real good workout and those things start dumping. You feel, holy crap, I feel high again. I can mm-hmm. feel it hit. And then I'm taking that lull again. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a it's a double-edged sword, man. That's why you need treatment to be around people that understand that. Because imagine you send a guy home. After 25 days at day 32, he goes out and he's like, oh, I feel good. He goes and runs and all of a sudden it starts dumping. And now he feels like he's in withdrawal again. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. What do we do? I mean, we don't have the skill set most of the time to say, hey, I know what this is. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to call my team. It's I need to use. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that takes that kind of takes me down a whole nother road here, you know, because there are some treatment centers out there that um, that I like. um, But they don't detox because they don't have the licensing for it. Uh, Look, man, I have a faith. There is there is no doubt about it. But there are faith based organizations out there that will take people in but but they're not detox they're not detoxing with the right with any medications those programs are good for after somebody detoxes properly and then send them there you know um th- that is that i mean we we've got people bolting out of those programs right and left 
you know, you can't throw an opioid addict in a, in a, in a, in a room. And, and I'm sorry to say it this way, but pray your way out of it. You know, it's, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And, and so there's, 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 and I don't want to say these people are out there doing harm. Okay. That's not, that's not my point, but, but they're certainly leading people down the wrong path here. You know, I mean, I can never say that somebody didn't, didn't kick it on their own. Okay. I can't, I can't say that nobody's ever done it. You did it. Right. But come on, 99.9% of us can't do it. It's just yeah. too damn hard. You know, I'm not trying to interrupt you, but you, but you're right. You know, we talk about, and I'm a faith guy. I'm a believer, right? My higher power is super strong. The problem is you're right. We can't pray, pray our way out of it. We need people, man. We need a team of people. We need a team of doctors. Um, if if you're planning on detoxing, man, I would never, ever recommend doing a cold turkey the way ever. I did it. It, it, it was it, it could have killed me. Number yeah. one, we we do know that opioid deaths do happen in detox. Yeah, right. Yep. It's it's part of the the recovery process. It can happen. Right. Um, but someone wanting to do that is it's it's so uncomfortable. Right. It's so difficult. There's and no most, reason for it. There's no, and that's what it is. It's, there's no reason. There's, there's treatment out there to help. Absolutely. And, and I've got to say this about our, our, our people around here, you know, you know, Dr. Vora and, and, and the people I work with within the city of Fresno, you know, a lot of times these folks, and again, not because I'm this guru or whatever, whatever it is, but, but they do refer to me. Even doctors are, are coming to me saying, Hey man, we need to understand this better. Okay. We need, we need to know. And, 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 and I consider it an honor, you know, to let them know this is what you're going to have to do here in order to help folks, because obviously the old way is sucks. You know, and I tell them straight up, it just sucks. We can't keep doing this over and over and over again. Talk about the definition of insanity. You know, there it is. Mm. You know, there it is. Man, I'm with you. I'm with you. And how cool is that, that there's doctors that will come and talk to you? Yeah. You know, and that's how we learn. You know, if you come sit down and talk to me, I, I learned something from you. Right. And right. vice and versa. I can, yeah. And I can take that in my program and maybe that's something I implement or as a doctor, a mad doctor. I mean, there's important education out there that you can only get from being in recovery. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to have the ego out of this to save lives. You know, mm. you know oh. we got to be able to communicate, work together. You know, you're in Arizona. We're in Central California. We've made connections now. Massachusetts, Michigan, Wisconsin, right. uh, L.A., you know, all over the place. We, we, we've got to keep doing this as a community, as a good resource. You know, it's uh, we get a call from someone. They go, man, I need help. Where are you at? Massachusetts. Boom. We got you. We know the good, reliable place that their goal is to get you to live a life, to find a purpose, to answer your why, to go through the process. You know, we got to do it as a team. Absolutely. Brock, I want to ask you this. Do you do you find that there are people, whether it's in your area or other areas that are just going to say it, jumping on the bandwagon with this thing? You know, people that are that could possibly be doing um, more harm than good, maybe not intentionally, but, um, you know, I don't know. Mm. 
you know, I think everybody starts, if, you, if you're going to start this process, you, you have the right heart. Mm-hmm. You want to do it. But we all know that there's money in recovery. Mm-hmm. There's money in it, right? I mean, you're billing the insurance, so there's money, the re- residual money. So so that's, I, I if, if something gets confused, if we lose our way, we lose our way because of the money. Right. We don't lose our way because we lose a love for recovery. Right. right. And and I think that's that's a fear that if you're getting in this business for money, you're in it for the wrong, wrong reason. Right. You know, and, and that's what I see. Uh, the difference between what we do is we go do street contacts. Our my love is the street contacts. Mm-hmm. I hate sitting in the building. Right. I hate sitting. I feel like I can do more instruction outside than I can inside the building. Mm-hmm. So I want to be out there with with those who are actively struggling, and that's what I try. We try to help with here, right? Yeah. Right. Well, and I think that's important. You know, we we're three gentlemen, and so many other people we've spoken to. You you have as well as you know the one of our hopes is we can educate our way out of this. You know, because yeah. especially with the fentanyl, it's there's not the experimentation anymore. There isn't a kid that just goes and has a couple beers in the high school or, you know, and the weed thing. I mean, come on. There's kids having psychotic breaks, 14, 15, 16, because of the high THC content. It's, you know, this 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 is a life or death, th- death thing now. It's not what it used to be where it was just, oh, man, I got stoned with my friends and we listened to Pink Floyd records. Right. You know, and I wish that's where the government would take a little bit a stronger approach. You know, mm. we I I talked to a gentleman and he he confirmed or he said that everybody wants a piece of this fentanyl pie. Mm-hmm. Right. And in schools and, and us as educators, the pie stands for um, prevention, information, education. Those are the three things. P.I.E. Right. right. Well, the problem is education, um, information, prevention only goes so far. Right. What I want to see is I want to see that flipped and I want to see law enforcement. I want to see the DEA take a piece of that pie. I want them to be proactive. I want them to infiltrate and I want them to execute because if, if they can help us, if, if they can get more involved, then it's a bigger deal. Mm -hmm. You know, like right now, if you Google fentanyl, you, every hour, there's a new story out there. It's, it's just that prominent the problem is i don't feel like the the top is is doing enough to support us right they're not that's where i want i want to see some i want to see us going to mexico and shut shut it down yeah i want to see that i want to see because we're talking about two million pills that's a drop in the bucket right what's really coming across what's coming from china to mexico from mexico in here right it's a drop in the bucket yeah, if we're seasoning someone with two million pills, that's all they can carry. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all they can fit in the in the right. in the tire. <laughs> right. But but think about what's getting really really across this border. You know, one thing we have here is we've got uh, we've got law enforcement that created that it's the fentanyl overdose response team, and um, it's 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 headed up by by one of my good friends. Uh, and our DA is involved. And, and I got to tell you, here in Fresno, our district attorney 
our our law enforcement we are they are all over this thing okay they are in fact you know they're going into massachusetts they're going into other states and and talking about our program here other other agencies want us to come in and talk about that so we are doing something here but but again you know you've, you i've got to leave law enforcement to do what law enforcement does best right i need to be here you know for the treatment side of it but i also want to ask you you know, look, man, and again, I'm not trying to blow my own horn here, but I've been talking about fentanyl ever since I started yelling about Purdue Pharma, okay, back back in 2010. You know, you, you we saw fentanyl coming into the East Coast, and, and you know if it's coming to the East Coast, eventually it's going to hit the West Coast. And so, again, it wasn't a huge topic, and I wasn't talking about it a lot, but I was, you know, I was starting to warn people, and I've been warning people for the last... 10, 11 years on this thing, you know, and again, nobody listened, which just bothers the shit out of me, you know? Um, but, but how, how much farther, further, farther, uh, I never know that <laughs> I never know how to use that word. Um, do we go, I mean, with, with the awareness piece here, I mean, to me, it seems like, you know, everybody's pretty much aware of this, um, Everybody knows that that not everybody, but the majority of people know that fentanyl is there. Um, I mean, ha, how many? I mean, look, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll go spread awareness till till my grave. But there has to come a time where that awareness falls over into some action here. Mm. My my brother coached uh, the Seattle Seahawks and. Marshawn Lynch. I don't know if you guys are, know yeah. him. He always okay. said it's all about the action, boss. Yeah. Right. And we can we can educate and we can provide information all day. Here's the problem: Why do we have school districts not have Narcan in the there classroom? We, there, there we go. Okay. So, so, so if we are doing a good enough job educating, why aren't they listening? Until it's an oh shit situation where it's like oh dang. I really wish we'd had Narcan. We've been told about it, but we're not. So it's it's information, but application. Yeah. Why are we not applying this information? Why aren't parents, why don't they possess Narcan in their homes? Why don't women carry it in their purse? I Everybody's like, well, it's not going to affect me. I have <laughs> my home under control. I cannot tell you the amount of parents that I have interviewed and talked to and podcasted with that come on. And the first thing they say is, I never thought my child would use. Right. right. I didn't know. I had never seen any signs or symptoms. And so, yes, we are being informed, but we're not applying the information. Right. Even our school districts. Come on. I mean, that's just asinine. They're at school more than they're at home. Exactly. So I have to say this, we have done a pretty good job with our school districts here. Now it's taken again, 10 years, right. To get these people to wake up. And there's still a couple districts around here that aren't, that don't have Narcan in, in the classroom, but Fresno County schools, we, we have started the, the program. They're, they're, they're now in certain schools. In fact, I spoke at a high school a couple of days ago with our district attorney and, and our Fort response team. And and that principal over there is totally on board. We have Narcan in their school now, which is which is fantastic. But 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 every every district needs to have it. But but here's but here's the thing, Brock. And I found this out 
a while back on on districts not wanting Narcan in their schools because hmm. their lawyers are telling them that is a possible lawsuit with a parent. And nothing scares a school district more than a lawsuit. You know what? And it's time to go, hey, fuck that. Okay, <laughs> let's take on the lawsuit if it's going to save a life, because what's a life worth here? Well, I mean, you got a double edged sword there. What happens if the kid dies and they've been informed and they don't have it if they don't have Narcan? There you go. So it, it, either way, you're a school district. You're covered. You're covered. That's why you have the umbrella coverage from your state. I mean, I understand school districts. I mean, right. but I just it just pisses me off that we are that naive. Yes. And that yeah. we are that hey, it's not going to happen here. Right. That's what the problem is. People yep. like to, my favorite analogy is the great white shark in Jaws, you know? We're going <laughs> to ignore it, ignore it till it comes up and personally bites you on the ass. Right. That only gets someone's attention. Wait till a governor. Wait till an assembly member. Wait till a yep. congressman. Wait till someone in their family grandkid. dies. Mm -hmm. We had one of our senators, her her son passed away. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. We And I had her on my podcast and it was phenomenal. But, you know, she's pushing it. But if there's not enough votes... Right. You know, why are testing strips more available? Why aren't testing strips in these kids? I mean, we can go on all day and sure. talk about this information application, but it's just really frustrating that as much as we're talking about it, that people aren't really taking it seriously. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. We went to Sacramento. This is a few years ago. Two, two things on that. And uh, Assemblyman Jim Patterson and I, and we proposed two bills. And that was to add five years to the jail sentences of, a, of, of drug dealers uh, that were dealing fentanyl or car fentanyl. And um, we were voted down within 20 minutes. Yeah. I, I mean, it didn't even get out of committee. OK, but I will have to say I, I do have to say this. AB 2365 just got signed by Newsom, which which he had a couple Fridays ago. He had till midnight to sign it. We didn't think he was going to sign it. All indications were that he wasn't. And this is for uh, for fund funding to for more education and awareness in in the state in 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 Northern California, Central California, and Southern California. And the guy finally signed it. So so at least we've got something going on here that gonna we're going to be able to do. It's going to start in January. So you know that's that's one good thing he's done. Everything else has turned <laughs> to shit. But you know, Man. well, and the the other side on that too. It's great. Yes, it was signed, but it's. The max six million dollars. Yeah, it's it's like it's a drop right, in the bucket. Right. It's pocket change. It's you know? a drop it's in the bucket. Change. And yes, great, good. We can get some motive movement. Hopefully, sure. some movement. Right. But it's it's still just a drop in it's the a bucket. Drop in the bucket. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's a topic, man. It's it's difficult. I I I like. I want want to see how we can start helping these young men who are and women that are struggling with it, mm -hmm. right? The hard part is you have a very small window. I know you guys are in recovery. You you understand it. But you have a small window when people are starting to become addicted to fentanyl. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and when they're down the road, man, this fentanyl is really, really messing with their brain waves. Right. Right. To where I don't know. Um, I, I used to do some videos. I'd go to the park and I'd video these guys who are under the influence. And I had to stop. I had to stop. I'm like, man, this is this is crazy. It they're turning into zombies, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. It was just killing me. I'm like, this is hurting my family. You know what I mean? I don't want to yeah. see this crap anymore on my phone. Right. Right. And so, you know, the the problem is we got to be able to. The outreach has got to be huge. 
Right. We got to get them at the right time to where we can still have, um, we can still offer that help. Because when they're too far deep into fentanyl, man, yeah. they're the, yeah. them coming out of it. Ooh, slim and none. No. Slim and yes. And yeah. I hate to say that, but right, it's true. Well, there's uh, and again something I preach for a long time. There, there, there's a difference between. Um, well, I've got to change that up a little bit, but but there's a difference between dependency and full-blown addiction. And, and I think that's what you're talking about. It's that small window. You know, you start to become dependent on a drug, right? And there's still that chance that you can possibly get out of this thing. But then there's that imaginary line that we all know that once you cross that thing, man, chances of you coming back, like I said, are slim and none, especially with fentanyl, because it's just so damn potent. Yeah, we we all know or we we've seen these guys, 30 year heroin addicts in our community. Yeah, you will not see any 30 year fentanyl. addicts. Oh, no, no, not at all. Different drug, man. Right. Yeah. Different drug, different drug. You bet. Yeah. And well, and we've talked about it too. heroin. That's gone. It's It's gone. It's gone. I'm not going to find it anymore. Five years, it's going to be non-existent. You know, everything's coming out of a lab. Yeah. yeah. Why, why would you take the risk of, of growing opioids? You know, the, the plants, too risky. Too risky. You bet. Yeah. Well, unless we want just our American, you know, armed forces to guard the <laughs> poppy plants like they did in Afghanistan. You know, I mean, there you go. Yeah. Hold on. Another <laughs> topic. So many topics we could go, man. Uh, awesome. Well, and you did a, a post too that really caught me and being a parent, granted teenagers now, but this is a stage in which I'm worried, especially when I see any of the same uh, thought patterns and behaviors in my kids that I had at that age. It's like, oh shit, we got to lock this down real quick. Um, but you talked about uh, there in Arizona, uh, an infant ingesting mm -hmm. fentanyl. Mm -hmm. So people yeah. think about that. This is an infant that got a hold of it. And it made me think back when I was a kid, the childproof uh, cherry flavored children's Tylenol. I had to go have my stomach pump because I love the taste of it. I think I was five. Yeah. So you think your kids can't get into this stuff. If you're using, you're dealing, whatever the heck it is. Someone in the house is a teenager bringing it in. Yeah. How old was that infant, Brock? They, they didn't come out and say they just yeah. called it an infant, but, but, but think about the police getting on scene, Ugh. being savvy enough to see that the baby was in right overdose mode, right? To give that baby that Narcan, right. to get that baby to the hospital, to get that blood test. That's just, I mean, the 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 state of mind that these cops have to be in now. It's like, yeah. damn, it's it's nuts. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I don't know if you remember this, but I want to say, well. Five years ago, six years ago, there was a story out of Florida and all the infants being born to heroin moms. And there was a there was a, a, a story done on it. And to watch these infants going through withdrawal symptoms, they had to detox them and they started with morphine on on, I mean, week old babies, mm. you know, and to watch these little tiny human beings you know, shake and, 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 and cry and scream, you know, while they're in an incubator. I mean, it's like, my God, I, I mean, how, how do we not notice this stuff? You know, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how we do it half the time, guys. I really don't. You know, if, if I, if I wasn't clean and sober, I'd go screaming into the night, I think. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
Yeah, I have my moments where I just gotta <laughs> meditate and yeah. go. You know, it's okay to cry. About I gotta, this stuff. I gotta tell them to go take a take a thirty minute nap every now and then. You know, uh, got to take care of ourselves, Brock. Have to. You bet. So, for you, what uh, in your recovery, what led you to starting uh, Chase the Vase and and then uh, subsequently uh, Victory Recovery? Well, when I got on my recovery, I uh, I actually started a, an inpatient outpatient program that I ran for six and a half years. And I was missing the mark, to be honest. I'm going to take that ownership. And I, it was just difficult for me. I didn't feel like I was making a greatest impact. I was missing my my avatar, which were guys like me, law enforcement, first responders, uh, veterans. And so I made a shift. I left uh, left the mountain and came down and started doing like online coaching, online certification to teach men and women how to heal, how to, how to start working through it. So uh, Chase the Vase started, it, it, it's a program that was helping men uh, and women that are first responders or veterans heal from post-traumatic stress and opioid addiction. Love it. Love yeah. It. So, so those were my people. And so yeah. now I work, I, I own a, own a counseling center for, and we, we take, take the individual after they've gone to rehab. So if they've detoxed, they've gone to rehab, and now we got to put them back home. Right. And we work with the family dynamic. We work with mom and dad, and we work with the people who are going to be involved in this young man's life or this woman's life to help them reintegrate into society. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't go to rehab. My partner did. My partner's an ex-NFL quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, got concussed started an opioid addiction, turned to heroin addiction. And so he had to do the rehab thing. And his concern always was, man, as soon as I got out, I was out and I had no support team, no, no peer support, no man guiding me. I didn't have anything. And so first year of recovery was rough. Mm -hmm. And so we we're trying to bridge that gap. We're trying to help heal that dynamic to where there's, there's chances that, lessen the chances of that relapse love that i absolutely love that well we gotta have that community i mean it's you know Mm -hmm. preach it over and over it's the opposite addiction getting that connectivity going and we gotta have it because you know we we found our we found our quote-unquote people in our using we've got to find them in our recovery we've got to have those resources those interactions we've got to be a part of that you know, and, and it's so key on the, on the on the parent side of it, because we have a Wednesday night tonight. We have Wednesday night's parent meetings that we've had since the inception of the organization. And we run those differently. You know, Al Anon, I love Al Anon. I love all those groups. But, you know, you can't you, you, you can't cross talk in those things. Well, in ours, we do. Right. Mm. I mean, we've been doing that for forever. I'm I'm the, I'm there every Wednesday night. I can count the number of time on both hands that I've missed in, in, in the last 12 years. But but I'll tell you what, man, it's hard hitting in there. And I have to say the parents that have come and we've had parents come in the entire time with this. They make it a date night. They, <laughs> they, they come. Sometimes their kids are doing good. Sometimes they're not. Maybe they've relapsed. Maybe they've not. Some are, are, are totally in sobriety. Um, but, man, we get to the point and we hit it hard because parents need to understand what that addict is capable of doing and not doing. In, in their addiction and in their recovery, early recovery, middle recovery, late recovery, because it's a whole process for us. Okay. It, it, it is, we go through stages in recovery, 
you know, and parents need to understand it because we all know if you're not an addict, you're not going to fully comprehend mm. what we're going through. Right. Yes. Good. Not going to happen. Your yeah. We're, we're actually getting the process started here. We're at the infant stage of, of getting the parents in, in to a meeting with us. You want you, so, I'll tell you what, I would be more than happy to come to Arizona and, and, and help you out, man. I'd, let's I'd love do it. it. I okay, would I'm love hold it. You on that, Flynn. You hold, you hold <laughs> me to it. I'm not kidding. Uh, you know, I lived in Arizona for a year. I've been looking for an excuse to go back. Well, I'll bring his, I'll bring his ass <laughs> with us. Go, Absolutely. Put, put me in the carry on. Uh, before we wrap up, Brock, I, I, you know, you shared with us how you came up with the, t the, the name chasing the vase. Would you share that? Because I just love, uh, I've told people that, that I've kind of worked with. They're like, well, what about when I get there? Well, we're going to move the finish line. Yeah. Well, chasing the vase came from a story that I was told as an, a young man, my dad coached college football in the locker room. A story called uh, Chase the Vase was told. It was about a man who was a, a veteran and he had been injured and he was put on this test. And the test was called the Blue Vase. And it was uh, there's actually a book and a movie called The Go-Getter that's out there. It's 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 old. So so you, you'll want to rent it. It's kind of fun <laughs> to watch. But uh, basically what it is, is this young man is put on this challenge and every challenge he's issued, he overcomes it. And finally, they're like, why? Why, why do you keep biting through this? And he said, I was taught that when there was uh, something difficult, that my response would be, it will be done and I will do it. And so that's how he trained and that's how he acted. This blue vase, the, at the end, he, of course, he gets the vase and get, delivers it as, as he was asked. But the blue vase represents us. It res represents what we are chasing. For the longest time, I mean, I was addicted for 10 years. I started chasing my vase of recovery. I needed it. And once I secured it, now what? What am I going to do with that vase? Am I just going to put it on my shelf and say, hey, which is, you'll see right there. That's my, <laughs> that's my vase, dude. You know what I mean? So we're always chasing this vase. And once I found sobriety, now what? My next vase became, hey, how can I take my story and help the next guy, yeah. right? And so you're you're constantly grabbing the vase, securing it, making it safe, and then and then going to the next one. And you know what's funny is everybody's like, you got to find balance and recovery. And I've taught that so many times, and I've got to the point this year. I'm like, no, there's no balance and recovery. We try to keep balance. We try to make everything fit like, hey, 50% here, 25% here. Everything's great. But you know what? If you're not actively focused on your recovery, it's going to slip. Yeah. And if that slips, everything else around you slips. Yeah. And so I'm a little unbalanced with recovery because <laughs> I know where it takes me. Right. But I'm aware of it. And I know that I have to put the time into my wife and my kids and you know those things. So- that's what I'm chasing, man. I'm chasing the next kid to help him from from falling. I love it. Absolutely, I love that. Yeah, I th I, uh, I think a good term that uh, I've been working on with a recovery coach. Um, he's like, we've got to get you focused on more intentional living. Mm. You know, you're mm. telling me about some of these things that are missing. The you know, 
and Flint does too. The, the the individual time with your kids, with your lady, with with for yourself, your hobby. Right. That's my, that's my hardest thing is that time for myself. Right. You know those kind of things to get focused on some intentional living and and an action plan and habit. And you know it's okay to accept the uh, intangibles and all these things, but intentional living. Well, you know, I I I don't know if Jason knows this or not, but this is again a couple couple of years ago. Before we moved into these offices, we had an office in another location. And I remember walking in at nine o'clock in the morning and it was just me then. And uh, I remember, you know, turning on the lights, turning on the computer, sitting at my desk. 15 minutes later, I get up, I walk out of the office. I don't shut off the computers. I don't shut off the lights. I don't lock the front door. I, I drive home. I shut down everything at home, power off my phone. Now it's 930, right? And I fell asleep till six o'clock. 6 p.m. I wake up and I call my best friend. And the first thing out of his mouth was, he said, Flint, you can't save everybody. Mm. He said, you've got to take care of yourself. I just reached a point where it was burnout. So that spending time with your kids and your wife and a hobby, okay? It doesn't, you know, I mean, it's, it's gotta be done. If we don't take care of ourselves, we're not, we're gonna be worthless trying to help somebody else. Amen. I think it's just a good rule to live by. Secure the mask first, right? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brock, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, give you a follow, uh, reach out to you, how can they do that? Yeah, we're on uh, Instagram, Facebook at uh, Victory Recovery AZ. They can email us at chasingthevase at gmail.com or Brock at Victory Recovery. And we're, we're easy to find. Type my name in Brock Bevel. I'm there come call us man we we have no problem 480-826-3833 is my cell phone beautiful mr anderson anything else brock you know what i tell you what this is the second time we've chatted man and i i think you're the you're the best all right oh, man. I, I i i love what you're doing i love seriously this is this is good stuff we need more men like you. We need more people like you and your organization, not only spreading this message, but getting that help to those people that need it. Brother, I, I, I just I just applaud you and your organization. Thank you for joining us today, man. It was just Absolutely. wonderful. Man, thank you, guys. That was kind. Thank you. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Parents and Addicts in Need at 559-579-1551 or check us out online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media at Pain Nonprofit. Please subscribe to the podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. To donate, please click the link in the description and help us save more lives gripped by addiction. This podcast contains the views and opinions of hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. 
Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page.